Welcome to No Concessions, your favorite movie podcast where we explore subgenres of movies. This week's subgenre is Are We Sure This Isn't Just a Fetish Film? AKA a movie that's missing the hallmarks of its director. In this case, gratuitous violence and racism. This week we're reviewing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or Once Upon a Time dot 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 <laughs> in Hollywood. Or Once Upon a Time Ellipses Hollywood. Man. Yes, yes. The proper term, thank you. Stunt double. I'm joined by two special guests this week. We're here with Bob and Marcus. Yo, what up? This is Bob. Uh, I'm a local MC. Uh, I rhyme under the name Stunt Double. I do stuff with a, a local producer named Tension. We go by Stunt Double and Tension. So we out here. Uh, Marcus Ranger Bob Croy, local idiot. Um, I do this and that from time to time. It never lasts long. Been a remain in vain for a long time. Uh, podcast for a while. Uh, let's talk about everything. Marks and three girls. Whatever. You'll. You know, I'm here. <laughs> Marcus and three girls. Is oh, that yeah. one of your old old shows? <laughs> um, that was what I called a fake band, but essentially was a performance art comedy group that, <laughs> <laughs> that lasted for a little bit. Okay, that's that's is, wild. Is that where the that that uh, one remain in vain uh, video comes from? Which I'm one? thinking of uh, shirtless you, uh, electrical tape over the nipples. Oh, that was just you know we needed to. do That a was video. like a Wednesday. I mean, yeah, we did the we did that all in one evening at the singer's uh, parents' house. So <laughs> I wrote down a bunch of stuff for us to do, and then some of it was on the fly. Um, and we tried to do other things, it just didn't work out. Like there was supposed to be a bunch more girls in that, and they all like got sick and whatever and kids and stuff. <laughs> so then I say, so I had to end up getting naked, you know, to fill that out. So classic material, <laughs> fantastic. It's <laughs> one way to put it. Glad to have you guys on the show. Oh, I changed. As, Happy to be here. Awesome. As we always do with new guests, we like to start with three pretty basic questions. I hope you guys have put a lot of thought into them. Let's start with you, Bob. Movie you wish you saw on release day and why? So I wanted to ask, like, can I like time travel? Yeah. Okay. Because aside from the release that is today that I'm missing, because I'm a man of my word, and I wanted to be here for this. <laughs> it's uh, Rise of Skywalker. I would, I would probably like do Seven Samurai. Hmm. Seven Samurai would be, I'd just be epic. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> In Japan? Yeah, oh. yes. Okay. All right. Of course. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Do you speak Japanese? No. <laughs> Not at all. That movie wouldn't be subtitled. I don't need it to be subtitled. I know what happens. <laughs> Hell yeah. Peasants get jacked by the brigandiers. They go find some samurai dudes and... And then one who's not. And one who's not. And, uh, you know, they go from there. Is um, that the movie with the guy who's running back and forth on the building that's on fire? And people are firing arrows at him? There's a lot of fight sequences. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a lot of that type of stuff. But it, basically, you know, it's it's kind of an archetype at this point for a lot of other things that have come since. Where it's like, okay, you know, we need somebody to save the day, so we're going to go out and hire somebody. Well, it turns out we can't really afford an army to come help us, so these guys come and they 
trick the invading marauders into thinking that there is an army and they defend the village and everybody lives happily ever after. So Magnificent Seven. And it's sequels. Right. Remake. Uh, Three Amigos. You know. We or the pro- remake of Seven Samurai from a few years ago. It, it, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's just kind of classic material at this point. Yeah, yeah, I got so. you. All right, that's dope. How about you, Marcus? <laughs> well, that's way better of an answer than I have. Um, first of all, I don't believe in opening day because that's like the worst time <laughs> of my life. <laughs> okay. uh, terrible people just stuffing in to have a terrible time. But if I was to go on some opening day shit, it would have to be on a giant stinker like Geely or Jersey Girl. <laughs> but ultimately, I would think maybe Phantom Menace just so I could have a chance to um, relive one of my favorite cinema experiences which was going to see the ring, which was a giant piece of shit. And then having one black dude stand up during the credits and go, man, that shit was garbage. And then having everyone applaud him. And I think that'd be an appropriate time to, to do so with the Phantom Menace. <laughs> That's my pick. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fuck so Star you, Wars. You, you, oh, fuck Star Wars. Wow. That shit's been done since 82, bro. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Oh shit! This guy, I agree. It's about to be contentious in here, dude. I, yeah, I'm not hearing it for any of that Star Wars shit. I don't know, man. Are you a fan, Bob? I am, and in fact, the the film that I would die on a hill for is Phantom Menace. Okay, we'll get to that. We'll so, get to that. I, I would love to hear this. All right, let's go with you, Marcus. Movie you think should get a sequel? Um, movie I think should get a sequel. <laughs> I'll go with Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> okay uh that or any rap video that's said to be continued and there was never a continuation mm. <laughs> but as you know at the end of buckaroo bonsai does say buckaroo bonsai will return and it's never fucking happened it probably never will but if that man could have that one chance to make it just as outlandish film with today's technology I, i'd pay to see it what is buckaroo bonsai about <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. I've seen it multiple times. I can't really fairly answer that. <laughs> Bob, you've, I'm sure you've seen this movie. <laughs> Maybe when I was a kid. It's like, no, because if I saw it when I was a kid, I would like remember every single frame of it. So, oh. no, I can't say I've ever seen it. I mean, it's got RoboCop in it, just being a sci-fi weirdo, you know, playing some guitar. Um, RoboCop or, or is his name Peter Murphy? Yeah, uh, well, that's no, not, no it's, yeah, that's actually uh, Peter Weller. Peter, yeah, 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 that's his name. That's his yeah, name. Yeah. My bad. My Murphy's bad. his name in, in RoboCop. Murphy is his name in RoboCop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, how about you, Bob? Sequels. Um, I'm not really a, a sequel person. I generally don't think that sequels should be made. Wow. So, you know, there's exceptions. There's exceptions to this. But if we're doing what sequels do, taking something that we love and ruining them, then I'm going to go with uh, Shawshank Redemption. Wow. <laughs> Shawshank Redemption, Andy and Red decide to pull a heist. <laughs> but it turns out that 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 Andy is has become morally ambiguous uh ever since, you know, all his time in the joint and is actually plotting some sort of, you know, revenge against society, some sort of mass murder event. And then Red has to like stop him and he winds up, you know, killing him at the end and then winds up going back to prison for it i don't know something I mean, just throwing it out there this sounds like one of the dopest ideas we've ever had man this is like <laughs> dead presidents all right meets shawshank 
And you can have all this, you know, commentary in there about repeat offenders and the way the system's designed, you know what I'm saying, and all that. Because, you know, you can't get no job after, you know, something like that, especially after you escape. <laughs> are, we make, are we making this film? I are mean, we doing this? I have nothing else to do is, with my life. This so. is what it sounds like. <laughs> don't, don't tour with my emotions. <laughs> have, have you seen me say no to anything? Be honest with yourself. <laughs> Hell yeah. And last up, we have intellectual property you think should be adapted to a film and what do you imagine it would be let's start with you bob i'm a big cormac mccarthy fan um not a fan of every single thing he does especially when he tries to do stuff for film so like the sunset limited was pretty whack in my opinion um the movie that he did uh cameron diaz he wrote Cameron Diaz was in it, and uh, uh, the dude that's Magneto was in it. I don't know. Exactly, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Anyways, (laughs) but, you know, one of his kind of seminal works is this book called Blood Meridian. Um, And and people have been talking about trying to adapt it for a long time. And it's kind of like a, it's like an epic story. You know, it's, it's kind of, they call it his Moby Dick. So... I don't know exactly what it would look like, maybe like pieces from it or something along those lines, but he's had some other things that have done well on film. So no country for old men was one of his books. Um, I don't know if you ever saw a a film by, um, uh, it's called child of God. James Franco made it. No. Yeah. Kind of, kind of, kind of rando. Um, Oh, by the way, the counselor, is the, the one. counselor yeah. is the one yeah <laughs> <laughs> whack it sucked and he like like set out to write the script for it so and it's like yo man stick to writing books dude <laughs> what style of writing does he do so so like blood meridian is kind of people call it like gothic western um did you ever see all the pretty horses no okay he does, they're, they're oftentimes these kind of, you know, set in the West, set in Texas, set in South, the Southwest. And, um, you know, they're usually pretty dark, pretty violent. Um, but they're all, they're, they're super well-written. They're really dope stories. Um, a lot of times pretty difficult stories, but, but well done nonetheless. On occasion, he has to, uh, source the Mike Tyson mystery team to help him complete novels. <laughs> <laughs> is that one of the episodes? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> does that show still air? Yes, it does. Oh, wow. <laughs> what, show, what show is this? Mike Tyson Mysteries. Oh, it's not. where it's basically Scooby Doo with Mike Tyson and Norm MacDonald, right? Yeah. Norm MacDonald's a pigeon. So instead of a dog, they have a pigeon and they have a young Asian girl uh, who's Mike Tyson's adopted daughter and they travel around the U.S. solving mysteries. And wait a second. And a ghost. And a ghost. This yes. is a. F- this is Mike Tyson, like voicing it. This is actually Mike Tyson, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All right. It's wild. How about you, Marcus? Um, I'll be honest. I forgot what my actual answer was, <laughs> but I do remember some of the dumb things I was coming up with on the way to that. I think <laughs> the first one let's was start there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about my terrible thought process onto my quote-unquote jokes. Um, doing a Leisure Suit Larry film. <laughs> what would that look like? Yeah. What is that? Um, Suit Larry is a horrifically problematic video game series that's 
<laughs> comes back every 10 years. Um, yeah, basically, it's definitely like cancelable on every level. Um, I don't know how it ever came out to begin with. You know what I'm saying? We just see like the whole thing is about him like banging and like getting laid. Just like it's real weird. It's a lot of like weird sex jokes for an entire game. Yeah, that's in that multiple games. That was like it, it was maybe even the last one was like for Xbox or something. Like I think Ooh. the first one. Yeah, like yikes, real weird. I'm like, no, oh, they should do that and make some like strange like Me Too joke, but that wouldn't be funny at all. And then I was thinking like, oh, what about weird mascots like uh. What's uh like? <laughs> no one's gonna get this. Um, there could be a Quasimodo film. Oh, it'd be animated. Fire! <laughs> oh <laughs> man, that'd be great. <laughs> Just like, walking around smoking <laughs> cigarettes. Yeah, let's have Madlib write some terrible script, you know, and he can meet up with um, what's dude, Chief Chinchilla, from um, was it a J Zone? <laughs> Oh, and they could both just you know be drinking malt liquor and murdering people you know just two weird furry like muppet looking animals you know just like robbing banks and shit and yeah that was, <laughs> i think i took a nap after that uh, when we come back our review of once upon a time <laughs> ellipses <laughs> in hollywood <laughs> <laughs> I'm sober. Oh. I'm just an idiot. Can I just can I just interrupt by saying how much I was? So I was listening to the last episode of um, Let's Talk About Everything. Okay. And I believe you mentioned E Don's um, Beauty and the Beat. Okay. <laughs> that was Beauty oh, and fucking, Beat. I love E Don. Yeah. They actually, uh, did you get a copy of it? It's one of the greatest records of all time. Did you get that record okay. story release? No. Yeah, they uh, they put it back out. So there's probably a few, a few I mean, I it. own it. On vinyl? Not on vinyl. Well, see, yeah, that's awesome. Did yeah. the full length ever come out on vinyl? Oh, well, they did like two weeks did, ago. I don't know if it did oh, before. See, I'm, but I'm slipping right now. Yeah, so they, they put that back I out. I need that. I, I think there's that. a Japanese uh, version of, um, what's the first one? Primitive Plus? Yeah. 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 I saw that um, across town. It was like $60 or something. So I didn't get it that day. But <laughs> it exists, though. There's some Japanese version of that one exists. I think I have like most of the 12-inch 12 okay. inches in the EPs that he put out. Like Spring Your Tape Deck and all that? Spring Your Tape Deck and um, MCs You Suck. Okay. Um, he's got a few others. And he even put out like a mixtape that he did on vinyl. Hmm. Well, not, uh, yeah, that's it's, it's like a white label thing that he like stamped oh, really? each individual <laughs> okay. one. And I was like, oh, you done put it out. I'm getting it. Oh, yeah. I grab that for sure. I'm <laughs> screwing rap music for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting that in the break. <laughs> right, this week's subgenre is Are we sure this isn't just a fetish film? AKA, a movie missing the director's hallmarks. <laughs> in this case, gratuitous violence and racism. This week we're reviewing Once Upon a Time Ellipses <laughs> in Hollywood. Uh, directed by Quentin Tarantino, produced by David Heyman, Shannon McIntosh, and Quentin Tarantino. Written by Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Bat Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Emile Hirsch, Margaret Qualley, Timothy Oliphant, Austin Butler, Dakota Fanning, Bruce Dern, and Al Pacino. Narrated by Kurt Russell, cinematography by Robert Richardson, edited by Fred Raskin. Uh, released on 
May 21st, 2019, with a runtime of too fucking long, 161 <laughs> minutes, uh, with a budget of between 90 and 96 million, and a box office of 372.3 million. This was a fucking long movie. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Not to say that I didn't enjoy it, because there are some movies that are just long, like, let's say, Avengers Infinity War <laughs> it, for no fucking reason. Dude, it was like chore Wait, long. You didn't need three credit yeah. sequences? You sure? <laughs> you sure? We you can sure? go for four. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Dude, this movie, so this movie doesn't necessarily have a story. It's more so like a slice of life picture about a, an actor struggling with his identity. And this also fits into the subgenre that spawned this podcast, old men still being useful to society, <laughs> where this dude, this dude is having a crisis because he's no longer wanted. And he's like, yo, like, I'm fucking washed out here. What am I going to do? Well, my life is coming to an end because I have little to nothing to do. Like, I can't, uh, nobody wants me to act in their things anymore. And as evidenced in one of the parts he plays later in the movie, he's still a very good actor. So it's not as if, like, why wouldn't you just hire this dude? It doesn't make sense. But that's how Hollywood operates, I guess. It's just Hollywood, baby. (laughs) Cold world out here. (laughs) (laughs) So my initial thoughts of this movie were literally surrounding the runtime. Because I was like, damn. Two hours and 41 minutes is a fucking long time. I couldn't find time to watch it. I was like, Mm. on Sunday, I was like, fuck, I got to watch this movie. And like, I was working on my bike and, you know, doing some house stuff. And and then I realized like, oh crap, I don't have time to watch this. And like, I can't watch it at the pad when my kid's awake because it's like, okay, if I, even if I go into the room and I'm watching it, she's going to come in and be like, what are you watching daddy? (laughs) And yeah, so it's like, so it's like how, and then if I try to put it on after she goes to bed, I'm going to fall asleep Yeah, and I'm not, you know, there's going to be, you know, full like parts of the movie that I'm just like, what happened? Oh, (laughs) oh, that. And then, you know, you wind up having to go back and rewatch a bunch of stuff. So I did what I would not advise. And I wound up watching it on my phone on my lunch breaks over like three days. And it's like the type of movie that you that I think should have been seen on a big screen. And instead I'm watching it on my phone. Now, did I still enjoy it? Absolutely. But I was like, fuck, I should be watching this on a big screen. Yeah. I think this movie would have really benefited from the theater experience. Yeah. Because of all the weird shit that Tarantino likes to do. This movie is basically an excuse for him to shoot like a spaghetti Western. Right. And like he just uses it as as an excuse to reference like shows and movies that he liked when he was a kid or whatever, or maybe it's seen and really respected. And that's where he kind of excels. I don't think that this movie is particularly like good for like entertaining people with, I guess, because it's just two dudes doing stuff. And like, luckily, everybody who's in the movie is pretty good. But this kind of okay, <laughs> stay with me here. All right, I'm with you. In anime, they do these things called OVAs, which is like original yeah. video animation. So they're just long, like hour and a half or so episodes of something that wouldn't appear in a normal season. 
And enterprising people, or sometimes the studios themselves, will take those OVAs and just cut chunks out of them and smash them together and then present them as a finished product. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I would argue that this movie is one of those. It's an OVA (laughs) that's been cut up and just smashed together and put out. Because, like, the story, although it does, like, line up, there are just parts in it where it's like, okay, you could have filled in more. Or... Even better, you could have just cut all this other shit out and just made it one one coherent story, start to finish, rather than like two dudes meandering around L.A. <laughs> and being sad. Well, that was something uh, me and Stunt were uh, kind of debating bef- um, earlier before we started. Um, all of those things are that's kind of just the space that Tarantino operates in. Like all of his movies are like that, except for Jackie Brown, which he didn't write. You know, so being that that was based on a novel, he kind of had to make that more linear. <clears throat> So you kind of just have to like expect that. And as he's gotten just like more into himself, you know, he just kind of like blows up these concepts. Like all of his movies are just for film dorks and to make references and just, you know, throw out obscure stuff or old stuff or whatever, you know? And this is just that to like the nth degree, you know? So it is like his epic. So it is almost three hours, you know, like a lot of directors do that, you know, like I'm going to make my, piece of resistance or whatever you know like i was talking to bob earlier and to me he can't as much of a fan as i am of him he doesn't tell a story he does a lot of things and he'll like elaborate on different like themes like they're a big part of this film was about their relationship you know as about their friendship but it's not necessarily telling like a full-on story from beginning to end because there's so much other stuff put in there with it you know and it's jumping back and forth which is what he's always done you know and so for me, just watching that, knowing that, though, like, I'm still trying to watch a movie. And so having a 25-minute flashback, I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> as entertaining as the flashback was, you know, seeing, like, Bruce Lee get kicked into a door, I was like, to me, I'm like, I would never do that. But also, I'm not on cocaine. I'm not twin, Quentin Tarantino, so whatever. I, I want to give a big <laughs> shout-out to Quentin Tarantino for making this movie as modern as possible with Bruce Lee being the dude who just learned jujitsu last week and being like, yo, I can choke this dude out here. Let me go pick a fucking fight with him. MMA, bro. I just learned, I learned how to do kicks today in class. He did definitely make him a douche. Like, in that. yeah. So what was the phrase? What was the phrase, uh, uh, used in the film, the heavy? Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to be the heavy in this situation (laughs) and say, I love the film. I thought it was great. I thought it was a cohesive story. I thought it was plenty linear. I thought that the flashback had purpose. And, uh, there's purpose, but like not as far as like, like if it was never there, it wouldn't hurt the movie. So, not my insight, something that I was reading, uh, uh, post watching the film was that the purpose of that site, I think I read it in like a Forbes article review type thing about it. They were saying that the, the purpose of that scene, as shitty as it was to Bruce Lee, and you know, it totally made him look like a dick, <laughs> but it was for him to serve as the heavy for, for Cliff. So our opinion of Cliff is elevated and that's what carries him as a hero into the rest of the film. Well, sure, but that's what I was like, what I was saying to you earlier, it's not that, like, anything that Twin Tarantino is like, it's all intentional. Like, it's not that he's dropping, like, the baller doesn't know what he's doing. It's just that me personally, like, when I'm watching it, I'm like, this is fucking ridiculous. Well, let me and ask you this. Let me ask you this. If 
so there's two main kind of uh, uh, flashbacks that happens with Cliff, right? There's there's the one where he scraps Bruce Lee, and then there's the one where it suggests he may have killed his wife, right? Right. Quentin Tarantino doesn't actually lean into whether or not he actually killed his wife. All he does is leave it so there's just like, oh, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, right? Like, there's nobody there to... There's no victim left over to actually tell their story. I think also, you know, it it absolutely makes this guy, and not to overuse this phrase, but it makes him morally ambiguous. Like, we don't really know if we should fully root for Cliff. He's not... You know, he's kind of the the baggage man for for Rick Dalton, right? Um, but in truth, he's like kicking ass and he's got the rad dog and, you know, <laughs> like he's, you know, takes his shirt off and fixes the antenna and like, I don't know. It's I, 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 I felt like that certainly took him down a notch after kind of bringing him up. I don't know, man. I just think he might be a poorly written character that's well acted. Because effectively, you see highs from him, never right. really any lows. And like his lowest point would be presumably getting shouted at by his wife on the boat. And, and killing her? Uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's not even really implied that he kills her. He's just got his finger on the trigger of the harpoon gun or whatever, and he opens up a beer, and she's shouting at him. And they don't even mention how she dies. They don't say, like, oh, she was thrown off the boat, or she was hit by a car, or she drowned, or anything like that. They just say he killed his wife, and they flash back to the scene where they say he may have killed his wife. May have w killed his wife. Well, Randy says that his wife believes that. Uh, right, right, right. So, right, anyway, right. Um, he he's just holding the harpoon gun and there's nothing there. There's nothing to that. Right. The, like what the implication is supposed to be, I think is like, Oh, maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. Right. And it's just like, that's how that's, I read it. That's weak. That's weak and meaningless. So if I'm sitting here holding like a knife and somebody takes a picture of me and like just looking at you and they put the picture on, well, maybe he killed him. Maybe he didn't. Do you think, do you think maybe, uh, maybe this suggestion that he possibly killed his wife is like a throwback to the talented Mr. Ripley or, or to like the, the, <laughs> the, the, the legend of that era of Hollywood where it's like, Oh, Sam Peckinpah's, you know, film sets were crazy cause everyone was mad, insane, drunk. And there was like fist fights on sets and all kinds of crazy shit. And yeah, I, I'm no, I don't think I don't, so. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like I'm just just asking. Like, well, if you throw my two cents in there, um, first of all, he's, I don't I don't think he has that character has any highs. Honestly, it's all one giant low. He lives in a trailer on some dirt lot, and he's a lackey and doesn't get paid any money. <laughs> like he doesn't. His well, life sucks. He's like as he says, I'm your gopher. Like there, I would never want to be this dude. What? <laughs> so the thing is, if if that character's happy and they don't ever expressly make it seem like he's unhappy in the same way it's that happy. Rick or what's yeah, Rick. He Dalton. seems content. Like he's like he's just that kind of guy who like he's not gonna get terribly upset. Like even at the end, spoiler or whatever, like and they're like they're burning people down and shit. He's not reacting that hard, even though they're like killing people trying to kill them. Well, he's you know high on like, acid dipped well, in. Well, sure. But again, though, like, acid. he's not a, like, reactive person. He's fight, like, he fights Bruce Lee and he's just like, all right, come on. He's, he's like, 
John Wayne or some shit, you know? Like, he doesn't go up or down. Yeah, you know? he's a cool guy all the time. Yeah, and, like, as far as the notion of everything being, like, based on, like, rumors and stuff, like, they actually... I know they put a lot into that as like a notion, like taking facts and rumors and this person did that person. And they were like in this place with that person and blah, blah, blah. And there's this theory. And like, they actually like put all that in there and used as many people as they could. And then like a number of them died right before they started filming or like during filming, you know, as they're like trying to like write and produce it and shit. So that's definitely like an element to the film. Like, you know, it's described as like kind of like a love letter to that time period in Hollywood, which it definitely is, which is why like, I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just like, he's doing a very particular thing, you know, and definitely like push that through that character and in those situations. But I guess that's my sense. Yeah. I think that there's, I think there's certainly like a lot of lore in Hollywood. And I think that, you know, if you're the type of guy that like worked in a video store and you were talking about movies and shit all the time, you were probably talking about a lot of the lore that comes along with Hollywood. So that's kind of, something I picked up on to a certain degree in it. I don't know if that's exactly what he was doing. I mean, I could be giving this film way more credit than it deserves. <laughs> I, I'm going to lean towards that because at least in my experience, just having watched a, a few Tarantino movies once, he's never struck me as somebody who writes very in depth. He's very good with picking what shots go where, what references or no, I'm going to, here's my take. What shots to steal from people who aren't as popular. <laughs> oh, here we go. He's, he's the Drake he's of the film. Drake. Drake stole his whole steez from Party Next Door. What's Party Next Door? I was going to say from Lil Wayne. Listen, I'm hell no, old, man. No, listen to Come and See Me uh, by Party Next Door. And you'll be like, oh, this guy's biting Drake. And then you'll be like, oh, no, Drake is featured on the song. Drake is biting from Party Next Door. But Here, Tarantino's smarter than that. He just steals let, from people let that me, nobody's let, ever heard of. Let me say something real quick about that. Hip-hop music is a referential thing. It's, it's derivative at its core. And it's supposed to be that way, right? If you listen to Jay-Z, he says Biggie lines all the time, right? And he always has. And there's always been like a certain chorus of people that are like, yo, you're biting Biggie. And then there's another chorus of people where it's like, no, everybody in hip hop refers to something else. And like it, it kind of stands on the shoulders of the guy that went last. Right. And I feel like Tarantino's films are much the same thing. No, no. I mean, like, that's, that's how yeah, I see it. I, I can definitely understand that perspective. But in terms of Drake, like literally. So this is this is at least how I interpret it. There's paying homage to and then completely yanking things whole wholesale from. Right. There's if you listen to Drake and you listen to Party Next Door, you will not hear a difference. I mean, of course, in their voices, because they sound different, like in terms of how they speak in the same way that Marcus and I, uh, you can hear the difference between our voices. Right. But like in flow, they sound exactly the same. And like this isn't like uh, the same thing as, um, let's say, Tentacion rapping in triplets in the same way that the Migos do, the way that Migos made that popular, at least in re recent history. Right. right. It's right. not that same sort of thing. It's literally 
cadence for cadence and just exactly how the same the songs are yeah. st- structured like that sort of thing well i'm not saying there's not a lot of biting in hip-hop because <laughs> there 100 percent is <laughs> i mean success leaves clues man you gotta steal them <laughs> um as much as i hate drake and hope he dies um <laughs> i will say i mean <laughs> i do know that he will give credit to shit that he steals like someone asked him where he got his like certain style of punchline from and he just tells people that he got it from a uh, big sean like he, he admits to that i don't know why he'd ever steal from big sean but well his he did writer, it and it worked for him <laughs> his his writer stole from big okay. sean oh. <laughs> either way he admitted to it he's like oh yeah that's a big sean thing like, that's, i was like i was surprised like oh well okay. <laughs> hey i i will never ever get down on a rapper especially somebody who never ever ever claims to be like yo like i'm a rapper i'm a true mc drake has never been in the world saying like i'm the real one out here come spit bars blah 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 he's never never done that so him having a writer because he wants to be a commercial product is fine he's not a rapper he's a product anyway back to tarantino i think that is secretly drake (laughs) with a tremendous foot fetish (laughs) just have to remark on that at this point he's got to be aware of the foot fetish thing and he's just putting extra shots of feet in his movies oh yeah i did i was like why is her why are her dirty ass feet in oh this shot. yeah i was i thought the same thing dude <laughs> yeah when they were like driving in the car and shit like to the ranch yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. and in the movie theater <laughs> and all the people sitting in the living room yeah i was, and, I was definitely wondering that that didn't make any sense to me yeah like, i mean <laughs> he's got a foot fetish and that's another thing that i wanted to bring up like why the fuck is margot robbie in this movie why is she in lots of movies i mean no in particular <laughs> this movie she's a, a good actress mm. right there's no reason to have her play this particular role. Could have been anybody. Yeah. My only answer is he really liked them dirty piggies. <laughs> you like those feet and you like them dirty. So he wanted to put them in frame. I mean, how would he know that though? That's how he has them audition. Send him pictures of your feet. Show me oh, them toes. He, he's got it. That's gotta be it. Well, cause that person is still like vital to the lore of like, you know, the Manson murders and all that stuff, you know? So someone had to play her if he's, that's the direction he's going in, you know, not necessarily. You could have just had literally anybody. Oh well, yeah. He but could, to, but she, like that person would be in the film, you know, maybe not like endless, not one's endless, but footage of her, like watching herself in a movie theater and all this other shit, which is what like me about just stuff you don't need to put in, but I get why it's there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you guys a question, um, and this is probably—you probably were going to ask this question um, at some point anyway. What do, what do you guys think about this kind of revisionist revisionism that he did in this film and also in *Inglorious Bastards*? Like, what? what how do you feel about it? Because I don't know how I feel about it. It's. All right, before I answer this, I just want to detour back to <laughs> okay, this my bad, real my bad. quick. All right, so one thing that actually kind of fucked me with me hmm. was he didn't composite Margot Robbie into any of the shots of the actress that she's supposed to be portraying in any of those movies, Sharon Tate. Right. She, he didn't like in the footage of the Wrecking Crew and shit like that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. But he composited uh, Leo into all those other shots. That's true. That's uh, true. He, I don't know why. But well, a bounty t- law? Like when he was like showing like early footage of that was that was a uh, no no no, real, like the, no uh, the Stephen McQueen movie okay uh, my bad there was a few remember. things I didn't quite pick up on because I was looking at it on my fucking phone <laughs> fair <laughs> enough fair enough I saw in the theater because I'm a douche so you know uh, any 
<laughs> as far as like the revisionist history goes, it's I think it's fine because a lot of people have power fantasies, right? Sure. And okay. this is his version of a power fantasy. So rather than uh, Sharon Tate and those people in the house being murdered by the Mansons, Quentin Tarantino has built up these two heroes, two anti-heroes who save the day mysteriously. And one of his darlings, somebody that he clearly has some level of affection towards, at least by not compositing her out of those films. Maybe it's because she had passed away. Maybe it's because he's a huge fan of hers. He didn't composite her out of those films that she's in and put in Margot Robbie. It's, I would probably think that he's like, just, he loves Sharon Tate and he created heroes who would have saved her. Yeah. Two imperfect heroes who came through and was like, perfect and as far as like inglorious bastards go that's another power fantasy right like i don't think i don't even remember what happens at the end of that movie i just think tarantino he excels in things that i don't really like and i'm not kidding about the gratuitous violence and the gratuitous racism like those are two of his biggest fucking hallmarks in most of his movies so it's and it's like unnecessary like even in this movie i i got like maybe 50 minutes maybe an hour into it when leonardo dicaprio is uh sitting there and he's like doing that monologue with the girl in his lap and he's holding the gun to her head yeah and at one point he says something and i was right. just like damn dog you there it is almost made it all the way through without sliding in some fucking racism like just a little bit and same with the violence right at the very end you have to have those in there to know it's a tarantino movie if i could interject on that for a second um you're not wrong but also like i mean that was something i noticed that uh tarantino wasn't on screen yelling the n-word and that, and that was funny to me um that, that also, actually surprised me as well to be honest but if you watch any old western they're yeah. all racist yeah that's what they're that's very what, racist films like do you think it would be disingenuous for him to make a film about that era in hollywood and not have some racism well then if you're gonna have some right then go you might as well take it all the way right you can't I mean, if you that's can't the have point you're making ways. though like if it's if you're trying to make a statement about that or if it's just like hey this is a thing and he kind of like toned it down but if you're going to question, like, well, why is it in there? He's like, it was in there a lot. He's like, I was on 10%. Well, usually it's over here. You know? He was. A, so, he, I mean, that's even revisionist history to stay on point with that. Hmm. And if I go weigh in on that, personally, I don't care because that's just kind of guy I am. <laughs> it's all entertainment. So, back to my other point of, like, <clears throat> he's not doing anything wrong. I'm just an asshole putting in my two cents about, you know, me watching a movie. But um, it definitely works for, like, being entertaining and, like, definitely comedy's sake revisionist history you know like oh what if it went like this or like say something like deadpool kill baby hitler or you know even though that's not an original idea you know like all that stuff works to like i said like entertain and be funny you know because honestly it's hard to come up with new ideas but if you like reimagine something that already happened then you have more options you know so some people like it annoys them you know but the concept of you know abraham lincoln being a vampire hunter is funny to me not a great film but it's always <laughs> funny to say <laughs> I, I'm sure the book was decent. Oh, the comedy yeah, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. Or, uh, there was one about um, Jesus being a zombie killer. That was that one. That was a different one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Yeah, and all that kind of stuff, right. Yeah. I think for me, seeing, in, in both of those films, both, both, both this film and Inglorious Bastards, I think when I saw it in Inglorious Bastards, I was, I, I, I don't recall a whole lot of that in cinema, you know, maybe I'm just ignorant of 
that somewhere out there or maybe i'm just not thinking of particular instances but that kind of caught me off guard it's like whoa you're telling a completely different story about what potentially could have happened to the nazi party and like i loved inglorious bastards because it was like yeah fuck those fools fucking burn down the theater with all of them in it fuck all those fools and also you know seeing these these killers get you know get handled by by these two dudes you know there was a part of me that was like yeah that that feels much better than this horrible re- the the truth of what happened but then when i kind of step back from that i don't you know it just there's a part of it that just doesn't really honor like the real horror of of what happened and i just don't know how i feel about it that's fair. I I don't know what I could possibly add to that because it's like I mean if you don't know how you feel, did you I don't just, know how to feel. Cause a bummer. Sorry, no, guys. I mean, no. that's, that's the thing. It's like I mean that I think that's our two different stances on like watching these movies. Like I'm taking it more at face value, just you know, go and check some shit out, you know. And I understand these like you know other concepts and this and that, you know. But at the same time, at the end of it, I just still just want to be entertained you know? <laughs> sure, and sure. like you're you're definitely like looking into it and like you know reacting and which you should because it's art you know but also i'm a bigger douchebag than you so <laughs> i'm just not gonna necessarily have that experience you know like watching glorious bastards like maybe if it was schindler's list sure but you know it's still tarantino and he again still is just like you know shooting people in the head and you know <laughs> like, flamethrowing you know, nazis yeah, like, <laughs> I, yeah. The, I, I get it nazis are bad Uh, go ahead flamethrow him in every movie but dog that scene did not need to be there and I get it you want to explain how he has a flamethrower at the end of the movie but like fuck bro this movie was that seemed more like a bit yeah like I said like it's funny than anything more it didn't seem like a device and more like a bit you know what I mean exactly yeah Yeah, I mean it's it was to me it seemed like uh, a bit or a device disguised as a bit because Mm. the more the more flashbacks they threw in the more it made sense as to why they were using them to sure. explain away different parts of the story and then eventually when it came to the part where it was like okay so what was the point of that first part in the movie right, where right. he's flamethrowing these dudes oh it's to explain why he has it at the end right. of the movie but it's it's to fuel cartoonish violence i don't uh, like the movie i enjoyed it I think it was more so because of the acting than anything. Hmm. I don't think the movie cinematography was all that great. There are a few shots that stand out to me, like when Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate are getting into his convertible uh, in one of the scenes. It's like dusk-ish, I want to say. They're getting into the car. I thought that shot was framed beautifully. Um, Aside from that, there aren't really any things that are coming to mind. The editing again. The movie was too fucking long. You could get rid of like a bunch of that shit. Either either make it do the thing that you did with um, that movie that was terrible, Hateful Eight. You take that movie. God, that movie uh, was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah, fuck. And when I like <laughs> so when when I talk about like gratuitous violence and racism, like Hateful Eight is a Tarantino Tarantino movie. That's like what he embodies in my mind. When he put that movie out, I was just like, finally, he's doing exactly what he's always wanted to do. It just, it's just something well, you're horribly right. Yeah, racist. I, th- I think I think you're onto something there. And very fucking long. 
Like that's what he wanted to do. And like the cinematography in that movie, the first time I saw it, I was just like, damn, there's some cool shots here. But like that movie with the constant let's say, and let's not forget misogynistic. Uh, misogynistic, yeah. Uh um yeah, what is her name? Which one? Jennifer Jason. Yeah, that's Jennifer Jason Lee. Jennifer Jason Lee. She's getting beat up throughout the whole thing. It's like, yo, like when people have criticism for Quentin Tarantino, it's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. He put out the film to like say, this is exactly what you all accuse me of, and it's like, you're fucking doing it, man. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And the the whole thing with. once upon a time in Hollywood, something that I had thought about that didn't occur to me until recently is, or on my drive here, I should say, because I watched it before I showed up, is in a lot of Tarantino movies, one of the reasons why there's so much tension is because there's so much violence in them. Yeah. And there's like a constant threat of looming violence. And when you realize that in Once Upon a Time, in Hollywood, <laughs> there isn't that threat of looming violence. Then it's except, just, but we all. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Except for like, at the very end, because like when it, when. It, but the audience we, knows there's looming violence coming. Like we all know what happened. We all know that the Manson family are horrible killers yes but the entire movie up to the point where he goes to that ranch that they're staying at there's like nothing happens to either of those guys and nothing happens in the world around them to lead you to believe that some shit's gonna pop off so the beginning of reservoir dogs some people get shot so you know that the violence is real and is in the world uh what else um hateful eight He's riding in the car with Jennifer Jason Lee and he elbows her in the fucking face right. and she's bleeding everywhere. So you know that there's going to be consistent violence in that movie. The way that this movie starts is with clips of them on a lot talking and then it goes into another clip of, uh, of Leonardo DiCaprio killing Nazis. So right. it's there's not in this movie, at least the way that I process film, this isn't setting up a pattern of violence. And like I'm not worried that uh Brad Pitt is walking onto that ranch and is gonna be killed because they've already set him up to be a badass throughout this right. entire movie. Now it could have taken a hard switch. It could have, but I didn't think it would. Because I didn't think that were granted, I I had heard about the ending prior to watching the movie and i was just like well how do they get there right and it wasn't it wasn't through the means that i thought they would so i think some of the reasons why i liked this film so much is because it did miss some of tarantino's hallmarks so are you telling me that (laughs) this movie is better for being less tarantino (laughs) (laughs) i don't know if that's what i'm telling you um yeah i guess so i mean I would hope that any artist is in perpetual self-criticism and perpetually looking at their last piece of work and saying, okay, what did I do shitty here? What did I do well? And how can I make something better down the line? Now you're going to make whack shit when you first start, you're going to, you know, and, and kind of the notions of success, you know, some rapper puts out their first album and it's dope and that's how they get put on and that's how we all find out about them and then their next record comes out and it sucks 
right? And then their next record comes out and it sucks. And then maybe three records down, they put something out that's decent. I guess what I'm, my, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is, is that I would hope that if you are a serious artist and that you deserve your place in whatever echelon that you're in, you should be looking at what it is you do and trying to improve on like a real fundamental level. Not like, yo, I know what works. Fucking cartoonish violence, racism, misogyny, and I'm going to fucking just ride that pony for the rest of my career. I would certainly hope that he is thinking to himself like, okay, I have this this massive audience giving me immediate feedback. What am I not doing right here? So to kind of, uh, I guess, say my piece about what your, your thought process is there, in my mind, uh, very, 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 you, you'd have a hard time convincing me that anybody deserves to be where they are. <laughs> it's, it's just that they ended True up indeed. there, yeah. like, right? Like nobody, because if you look at somebody and you say they deserve to be there, well, somebody else is working their ass off right. and they're not there. So they, don't they deserve it more? No, they just ended up there by chance. And you would hope that somebody with a platform would use that platform to constantly iterate on the work that they're doing and try to make something more meaningful and that's like what that's how i uh feel about at least what you've said um that's my interpretation of it and for tarantino he is just fortunate that he put out some shit that people enjoy at a rate that's not overbearing for the market and he managed to do it and he's done it consistently and for a long time i think it was his editor i can't remember her name rest in peace she passed away and that's when you saw a hard switch i think it was like right after inglorious bastards maybe when she passed away and that's when you saw his movies get longer and longer and longer i think the next one after um inglorious was django unchained and that movie was long as fuck and they made some weird choices in that like why the fuck was there a rick ross song in there it's very weird and mm, out of place. That's a great song. <laughs> if it was just in the trailer, maybe, but it was in the actual movie as well. Very odd choice. Um, Hateful Eight, again, too fucking long, as evidenced by a fucking six-hour cut being put on Netflix. I never even made it through Hateful Eight. <laughs> I tried it like three times, and every time I was just like, this is a bummer. This is not fun. This is shitty. Yeah. If I can just say, though, about all this, um, there's something that one thing that you got to remember about Tarantino. He makes exploitation films. Like, as mainstream as he is, all of his shit comes from old exploitation movies. All right? Oh, yeah. So, and the whole point That's of those movies- That's always been his bit, right? Right. So, all of those films are very violent, very sexual, ridiculous lines. Like- they are cartoonish, and that's his shit, and that's what he brings to you in like his weird interpretation of it, to the point where, you know, I think one of like his biggest flop was doing the Grindhouse movies, you know, like nobody went to go see that because it was supposed to be what four hours with an intermission. I mean, I went because I'm that kind of dork, you know, but nobody else wanted to see that shit. You know, they didn't want to see yeah, a cartoonish version <laughs> of like you know weird zombie movies and you know whatever, you know. But that's what he does, and all those movies, you know are definitely racist, you know, like all that shit. Like what was the, what's the Eddie Murphy movie they just put out about Dolomite? 
you know my name is dolomite yeah and, and like haven't seen it dolomite is my name yeah and how does dolomite end i don't know he rips the intestines out of the fucking bad guy <laughs> like that's well, that's the end of dolomite <laughs> like, I, I think okay. i think if sadie i believe it was sadie that got hit in the face with the dog food can and then was running around screaming in the final scene like if that didn't happen i would have been like is this a tarantino film <laughs> or tarantino's washed he lost it <laughs> i mean i i don't want to say like don't do the things that you want to do i just think that i don't want to see what tarantino has to say anymore mainly because i've seen at this point the extremes of his work hateful eight being his longest most violent most or not even most violent i don't think uh is long the end the i guess like the most annoying pieces of his work that i dislike and i think it's the his most masturbatory work and mm. uh and once upon a time in hollywood <laughs> being his um his most lighthearted like mainstream appeal movie because he does have his hallmarks in there definitely at the end and uh, as well as including that nazi bit at the beginning where they're all burned to death um like i think those two pieces in there are to let you know like yes this is still a tarantino movie right, right. but the rest of it is supposed to be like him saying like i love sharon tate why'd you have to die and like his his love for like old hollywood signage as well even though they drive past the same places like six or seven times in the movie right <laughs> also though um as much as we can like overanalyze every single bit that he put in there because i mean that's how he makes it so it's definitely you know worthy of such it does raise one decent question going back to your revisionist history thing what if the manson murders never happen which is one of the most like infamous occurrences of the 20th century and they're still making movies about it, still writing songs about it, all this other weird shit. Marilyn Manson died, what, last year, year before? Marilyn Manson? Charles Manson. Charles, Charles Manson. Manson, 2017, I believe. Like, that's just one of the most insane things that happened in the last 50 years? Well, no, 69. Six, uh, no, I'm bad at math, you tell me. Yeah, 50 years. But that's a pretty legitimate thing that for, for people just to, like, you know, think about. Like, what if that dark lore wasn't on the hippie movement and the 60s and the capital and all that, whatever. It's just like one of those, like, you know, stone moments, like, you know, chew on for a second, like, oh, check that out. Well, to be fair, then we wouldn't have a bunch of shitty content surrounding a serial killer. Exactly. Like, uh, Live lives... Freaky, Die Freaky would have never been a film. <laughs> I don't know if that was too extreme or not, but... It, uh, I have no idea what that is. It was a, um, <laughs> a stop-motion picture voiced by guys in punk bands <laughs> about the Manson murders. Okay. There you go. <laughs> and that's to your point. <laughs> <laughs> Very random. Shout out to everybody who knows exactly what that is. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, what? What? The fuck? The freaky die freaky. What am, what am I missing fuck? over here? Oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, if it, you could say the same thing about everything, right? What if Biggie never died? What if Guru put out a good album before he died? What if there, Tupac? Well, there was the new Gangster album came out like a month ago. Well, like, <laughs> I don't like posthumous albums. It's weird. What if Tupac never died? What if Suge Knight wasn't in prison? What if Easy E never died? I only know rap people who have died. So <laughs> <laughs> rappers will die of natural causes. That's what happened. Yeah. yeah. Great record. <laughs> it's it's. 
I don't know. You can ruminate on that sort of thing all you like. Uh, though I will say personally, that's not up my alley, mainly because I uh, don't care what could have been. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't be bothered to know what will be. I just got to be, uh, I guess I should say, I'm concerned with, with what's happening right now um, rather than what will be or never was or never will be. I don't know. I think you need to do your own, like, time travel script <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know if you know this but i think time travel is one of the worst things ever it's one of the worst plot devices ever oh, i had a feeling you. you had an opinion on thank this thank you i fucking hate time travel. jesus christ every time it's used anywhere for anything it's never good <laughs> looper was a bad movie looper was a bad movie wait you don't need another terminator movie because i'm pretty sure they got three more in them if you if you want maybe another tv series bad Baby, series huh? it's a bad franchise you, you don't need another retcon you don't you don't need that god that's that <laughs> time i could i think i might actually write about why time travel bothers me so much <laughs> and just read it in an episode oh god <laughs> all right so final thoughts on the movie marcus um final thoughts i mean it, like it looks great it's definitely entertaining you know like if you're not a nerd like us that are overanalyze every single thing um it's good. It, it'll probably be too long for most people, but other than that, it's worth a watch. If I'm going to simplify it. Despite discussing this film with you guys, uh, <laughs> I still liked it. I thought it was great. Um, I thought it got me thinking, um, which is what art is supposed to do. Um, you know, and it got me to, to ask myself some questions, questions that, that clearly are still not answered. Um, so yeah, it's a good time. I will say that this is like a nice slice of life movie. If you want to just watch two dudes live their lives and just see different points in their life uh, over like, what was it like two year, three year span? Don't recall. Six I months. Mean, Six months? Yeah, Technically I think so. longer than that because it shows like all the films they were in before and stuff. So Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, let's say, Double let's decades. call it like eight months. <laughs> Or something because they're gone for six months. Oh no! Because right, it's it's it's, star it's it, it it's starts like, in February, right? They oh. dip for six months and then the event happens in August. Oh okay, so yeah, six months then. Yeah, so if we want to see six months of these guys' lives, then check it out. I think it's probably one of the more pleasant Tarantino films. Although I will say he's not particularly good at writing comedy. Uh, Brad Don't tell Pitt. him that. He says all his movies are comedies. I LOL'd several times. That's Same. a fact. He Same. says Pulp Fiction is a comedy. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> damn. You can being, look that up. Being Rames being raped sure was funny, wasn't it, Tarantino? I mean, when I've seen people have tattoos of that scene on their body. Oh, fair enough. Women. <laughs> That's okay. Again, not making this shit up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, it's it's one of his most pleasant movies that I've watched. I mean, like you don't have to be worried about like uh, watching somebody's fingernails being torn out or anything like that. And then it's not uh, as boring as something like a uh, Hateful Eight, which was God. <laughs> and he why why does he have a six hour cut or is it eight hours? How long is it? I don't, I don't know. The about hateful that eight hours, <laughs> dude. It's Bam. long as fuck, <laughs> bro. Anyway, it's not that bad. Um, 
I mean, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that because that's so like sex and bad. pizza. Like, <laughs> no. If you tell me today, like, yo, you can either have bad sex or bad pizza, or like, no, it's a not a steak. choice. It's the, it's the two. Oh, like, you only get those two. No, even when it's bad, you're still gonna. <laughs> no. It's, you never heard that? I yeah, that are you not familiar it's with this a, expression? No, I'm not. I didn't make that up. I've had both though, and I would definitely pass on either. I think the I think the expression is is pizza and sex even when it's bad it's good that's a lie <laughs> whoever made that up has, has been very fortunate in their life to never experience bad sex or have bad pizza which is pizza's very easy to fuck up so i don't understand how they managed to escape living if they're still in their mortal if they're not in their mortal oh coil any longer just not having bad pizza bad pizza is a nightmare oh, <laughs> imagine too yo, much yo, bread is, is this is this like a podcast idea we like throw him <laughs> old school expressions and just watch him just fucking Absolutely, pick them apart yeah, like, destroy him oh yeah like a, Dude, i would love that <laughs> i said to a friend of mine the other day you can't eat your cake and have it too because grammatically that's how that phrase makes sense and she was just like well that's not how the phrase goes and i was like the phrase doesn't make sense if you say you want to have your cake and eat it too what you yeah if you have your cake you're gonna eat it what are you in between there are you gonna give it away no you want to eat your cake and have it too or maybe you have to pass it to the left pass the gato mom says no you have it but you can't eat it okay (laughs) um yeah this movie uh not not bad ignore anybody who says like yo this is a me too commentary or any sort of commentary about current things going on or his relationship with harvey weinstein any of that you can ignore that roman polanski's not really in this movie uh even i don't even think he says anything throughout the movie couple he's, things but they're like they're not lines it's like oh come on dear and shit like that <laughs> yeah he's not he's just there in name um the implication that brad pitt killed his life oh, killed his wife is like not even hardly an implication it's just like we heard he did it's like one of those things like when you hear marilyn manson had his ribs removed so he could <laughs> suck his own dick <laughs> which Do doesn't work i've tried <laughs> yeah have you ever heard that of course it's uh, the urban uh, legends yeah any urban le- he was also uh the actor on wonder years apparently <laughs> which isn't true but <laughs> no it wasn't wonder it wasn't wonder years it was a different show but it was, uh, it was his best friend the skinny kid with the glasses which one did you which version of this not true story did you hear because either way it's not true <laughs> no there was another sitcom from you know back in the day and 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 the dude in it looked like marilyn manson looked like what marilyn manson might look like without makeup and so people were people were convinced i always heard wonder years i never heard of one see now now i'm gonna be googling horse shit later on before i fall asleep <laughs> yeah see this is my, my problem is i don't give a fuck about marilyn manson so i'll never i'll never google this <laughs> all right Uh, After the break, we'll get into our titular segment, No Concessions.
And we're back with our titular segment, No Concessions, where we make a case for our favorite or least favorite movies. Let's hear it for you, from you, Marcus. <laughs> All right. When I first thought of this, it was uh, I thought it was funny, and then I'm like, oh, man, this actually just might be problematic. But here we go anyway. <laughs> so, you, so you want the, the film I'll die, die on a hill for? Is that it? Or a movie that you hate so much you'll die on a hill for, your oh. <laughs> dislike of it. Oh, that's a lot of shit. I'll go, I'll go with, li- like... Um, Pootie Tang. Get the fuck out of here, man. <laughs> God damn. Louis C.K. writing this like See? hyper exactly. racist See? movie. Incredibly racist And movie. this is exactly why. Because the first thing somebody like Denzel would say is mention Louis C.K. And I'm like... Well, he wrote the movie. Yeah, and he was also... I mean, it's also a character from... Did he direct from, it? He wrote well? it. He directed it. It's a character from the Chris Rock show, which he was also the head writer and executive producer of... And he did multiple movies with Chris Rock where he wrote it and or directed it. <laughs> but this movie. <laughs> There's a big chunk of Chris Rock's career that Louis C.K. is completely responsible for. You guys are blowing my mind right now. I presume that Pootie Tang was all 100% brainchild of Chris Rock. No. Okay. I mean, he, he worked with it like, you know, it was like it's on the show and everything. So, of course, like, you know, they went back and forth and stuff on it. But, like, that's definitely, you know, Louis C.K.'s creation. Gotcha. You know. And to me, it's always just been like, you know, I like dumb shit and like Pootie Tang is completely fucking ridiculous on every level and ev- from beginning to end from 702 doing the theme song to every comedian cameo that's in there because there's tons of them you know but also it's one of those things where it's like apparently I sh- shouldn't watch it because Louis directed it even though that was in 2001 I knew nothing about it when I was fucking 14 nobody says you but, shouldn't watch it because no, that's, Louis directed it no that's it. a lot of people say shit like that like anything that like an asshole has created you should no. not take part of that's definitely an, an argument that it, i don't i don't believe in personally because then i'd have nothing to listen to <laughs> <laughs> like if some douchebag made something like that so there's a lot of shitty people out there that made some cool stuff a lot of a lot of people say uh separate art from the artist if you ever have anybody, some people do and some people say the other like, i don't i don't know personally if you have anybody tell you that you shouldn't support somebody because they've done something bad uh, even though I do believe that's an individual decision, right. not mo- most people in the U.S. aren't conscious consumers to that level. Hmm. So ask them if they buy Shell gasoline and if they know what yeah, happened. It's almost in impossible to like actually do that. Yeah, you, know? you can't if you buy any Nestle products. If you buy uh, any, if you shop at Walmart, like, if you shop at Walmart, which I do, <laughs> and like basically anything, dog. Like if you're not 100 percent living that clean life or trying like, to off the grid, shut the fucking. fuck up. That's, I mean, that's how I feel about it. If you're not like you can't be out here preaching to people mm. like yo, you can't put on that XXX Tentacion song because of the awful awful things that he did to his significant other. Like oh, I don't it, know about that. He did some fucking vile yeah. shit yeah, he did some foul shit. Uh, you can't you can't on one hand tell people that you shouldn't listen to him because of that and then go support uh listening to anything done by like the weinstein company right like which they uh, did a lot they did a lot of shit <laughs> like every tarantino the, movie before this one yeah if you watch <laughs> any any movie created by that movie company and you uh and you say oh you can't do this individual artist thing or even r kelly Mm. i so personally there's a lot of shit that i don't watch or listen to because i just can't fuck with the person who did it Mm. and there are a lot of companies that i don't support because of that and like i i will never in my fucking life say oh you're not allowed to do this or you shouldn't do this because like i'm not on that level like i can't say like yo uh don't don't fuck with louis ck 
because he was beating his dick in front of uh, <laughs> different women and yeah. like at awful things. You, if you want to, you can just fucking do it. Don't maybe don't mention it out loud. We're <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> just maybe. <laughs> See that's what I mean. Like it was something funny because I'm like, oh yeah, here's a terrible movie that people don't understand why I watch. And then of course, but if you actually talk about it, it's much more serious than I intended it to be. Yeah, I mean, fair <laughs> enough. It's it, you. You like what you like, man. I'm not gonna be like, yo, you're a bad person for this because n- people just don't take me in media like that. Mm. I mean, thought, well, I stopped listening to R. Kelly because like. If you think about some of those songs a little bit too long. <laughs> some of them or most of them? All of them. <laughs> all of them. You listen to any of those joints and you're like. From Ooh. I Like the Crotch on You to Sex in the Kitchen. To <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, dude. Yeah. It's real <laughs> fucked up, man. He was really hiding, wasn't he? he <laughs> Trying to cover it up. <laughs> he was trapped in the closet. It was about that time he got trapped in a teenage girl's closet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, shit, it's your daddy. <laughs> My, my Beretta. <laughs> God damn. Can't There's, like anything. I, well, I mean, you can even go back further. John Lennon was a shitbag. That is true. Good thing the Beatles fucking suck. <laughs> and I refuse to listen to them anyway. This guy. Just based off that alone. Uh, Chuck Berry. Who? Re- now, what's Just wrong with <laughs> urinating on women? They're <laughs> putting cameras in the bathroom stalls. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, someone of, told me today they wanted to pee on me. I was like, I don't know why you would tell me that. <laughs> was it one of your coworkers? <laughs> no. Just someone that thought they, like I would be interested. I'm like, you're bold. I don't judge you, but you're way bolder than I am. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Can I pee on you? Uh, no, but thanks for asking. <laughs> Not just, just doing, doing it. it. <laughs> God damn. All right, Bob? anyway, Bob. <laughs> Film I would die on a hill for, Phantom Menace. All right, let's get <laughs> yeah, into it. Fuck right. out of here. That's right. It, it's Star Wars weekend. <laughs> the last Skywalker is coming out. Explain to me how a children's film allegedly that's surrounded, that revolves around Senate meetings and has a racist caricature in it is the best movie ever. Go for it. <laughs> I'm not saying oh. that it doesn't have its flaws. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love you. <laughs> uh, yo, man, I'm just, I'm about that Star Wars life. I mean, is, is, is it because the pod races? Is that, is that what we're going back to? The, now this is pod racing. <laughs> Everyone rests the pod, on the pod The races. pod race is, 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 is a high point of the film for me. Um, is it really? Yeah, fuck yeah, I love that shit. <laughs> That's what everyone says. Everyone says a shit movie, like, but the pod race was tight. Pod race <laughs> was tight. The fucking, the fucking uh, uh, laser sword battle with with uh, Darth Maul and the Jedi's the shit, dude. The shit. I even liked. I even liked like the 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 design of the Mustang uh, fighters that went up to to. Uh, 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 fight the trade federation in space again <laughs> I, I i fully acknowledge that the film has several several flaws i mean you guys many were, flaws <laughs> many it's deeply flawed do you want to talk about his mom <laughs> the, the slave woman that got a <laughs> shit on real bad dude it's <laughs> 
you're not going to change my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep watching Pootie Tang. You're going to keep watching Phantom Menace. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's right. Um, Except I understand why anybody would not watch it. But also, if you're a woman and you don't like Pootie Tang, you have no room in my life. So I think the thing is one, thi- <laughs> one of the things that like got me to actually like start talking about like my love for Phantom Menace. So me and Unite are both Star Wars <laughs> heads okay. like we me and him went to all 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 of those opening nights for the trilogy <laughs> i am sorry we go to all the star wars oh, open man. openers this is like the first one i'm not like like all right unite you guys dress up no well don't lie on, to me. why aren't you i don't i don't <laughs> why aren't you going tonight there are plenty of screenings after uh after we get done because I'm old at this point and I like, <laughs> gotta, I got to work tomorrow. <laughs> I, I, this weekend I'm, I'm going on a bicycle trip up to, up to orange County. Like I just didn't fucking think about it. And, um, you should take Monday off. Plus you cut your call out six. Why? Well, but, that, oh. but that's the thing. It's, it will have already been out for three days by then. Oh, okay. <laughs> then it doesn't matter. And you know, <laughs> well, <laughs> Just call I was already like, nah. <laughs> no, but anyway, um, so there was a point where I, you know, I'll talk to Unite about it, but I wouldn't like go broadcasting that I was, that I loved that, that the prequels. Right. And then like some like Reddit, uh, subreddit yep. like popped up. And it was all these like wacky memes about the prequels. And and it just like kind of revealed all these like people that were a willing to like acknowledge all of the flaws and laugh at it and kind of look at square it in the face, but at the same time, like still be down for it. You know what I mean? And, um, I don't know, star Wars. I'm, completely unbiased when it comes to to star wars or completely biased i should say like it was you know one of my first theater experiences in 1983 when i was five years old i've saw return of the jedi and like that was like the movie that was always on tv when i was growing up star wars or any one of the star wars really it was just it's just one of those things and so it just has this place in my psyche and like i'm just about the star wars universe at this point I'm not like into it like some people are, but I just kind of blindly accept all of those films and just say like, okay, like I'm not going to have any kind of like real criticism about it because if I do, if I start thinking too hard about it, <laughs> I'll fucking get super bummed and I'll just be like, well, wait a second. But that's why they keep making more. They keep shitting on it and they're like, oh, these idiots will buy anything. It doesn't totally, fucking matter. Totally. And we'll retcon everything. All the past Absolutely. years, all the books and comics and fucking... Yep. We'll buy the shit from its creator and all it that. doesn't matter. We'll make money forever and ever. And and I'm just going to keep being like, take my money. Take it. Baby Yoda? Yes. yes. Yeah, what the fuck? Oh, shit. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, and the movie, because we've been talking about it for so long, I'm going to go ahead with Hateful Eight. I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> like, you will not convince me that there's anything redeeming about that movie. Not one fucking thing. The end's the best part. It's like the seven samurai of racism. <laughs> Except they're trying to save themselves, and they can't, because everybody's too fucking racist. 
Oh yeah, we're here to collect the bounty on this one person. Oh, we're here to save our sister, but let's beat the shit out of her the entire movie. Oh, she's dead. What do we do now? Oh, we can't let N-word go. We can't let this guy go. Oh, I mean, he's black. It seems historically accurate. It seems. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? They were probably way less racist than Quentin Tarantino is. Who is possible to tell? Quentin Tarantino wants to be black. That doesn't mean he's not a racist, but he'd love it. <laughs> Have you seen videos of him talking to like Sway or Sam Jackson? No. It's fucking amazing. He'll code switch like on a dime. That's gross. It's beautiful, and you should check it out. I want to hear how he talks to feet. <laughs> how does he talk to them toes? Oh, huh? man. He, do- he gets all Barry White on him. <laughs> God. It's one of it, what, a it, what made Hateful Eight worse for me is the people who were coming to me, like my friends know uh, that I would fucking hate that movie. Anybody who knows me knows that I would hate it because it's fucking long and not shit happens, right? And that's not to say that I can't stand a movie that has some build to it or takes a little bit long to get where it's going because I can respect that. I can appreciate that. If there's something to look at, yeah, there are cool shots in the movie, but can you fucking imagine Watch it because they get to the cabin in like the first 10, 15 minutes of that movie. Could you imagine having to watch the inside of this fucking cabin for another four and a half hours, five well, and a half hours? That's him attempting to do his, um, what's my man? Horror director from the fifties and sixties. Uh, Hitchcock. Ow. Hitchcock. That's, that, that's him sucks. attempting to do like lifeboat and things like of rope. that nature, you know, do an entire film in one setting. Yeah, just like uh, Reservoir Dogs. Again, an attempt. But well, Reservoir Dogs is more of like, because he didn't have the money. This yeah. time it was on purpose. <laughs> yeah. This was fucking bad. P.U. It was <laughs> It was one of the most... Pre- I didn't watch all of it. It was one of the most pretentious movies I'd ever seen. The minutes yeah. that I did see of it. It's, it's already like two and a half, three hours long without the additional footage. What else could be in the additional footage that would be worth seeing? Um more frozen white men blowing Sam Jackson? Unless you didn't make it to that part. I did not make it to that part. <laughs> Great movie. God. It's such a bad yeah. fucking movie, dude. It's I. So what I, what I ended up doing when I watched it initially is because I waited for it to come out on demand because I was like, there's no fucking way that I'm going to be able to hold my patience fucking being wasted in the theater for it. So that's... That's one thing that I used to do a lot. I would go to the movies, but I would sneak in like a pint of liquor with me and I would just get a big drink, make it fill it up halfway and then put the pint in there and then just get wasted in the theater. You mean what I've been doing this whole time? (laughs) Why why are you telling our secrets? man? (laughs) So I would sit and I would watch. Oh, touche. He genuinely has a a little half pint of Jim Beam in this bitch uh, mixed with tea. Mm hmm. Okay. It's a hot toddy. Oh, okay. Just, That's cool. Who's getting to? No big deal. I I watched this shit at home and I just clicked through it. As soon as I saw like as soon as I got past like the first like when they get to the cabin and I think around when Channing Tatum shows up, I start clicking through that bitch. I'm like, yo, this is not only is there jack shit happening, but it's it's one of the movies where it's just got massive peaks and massive valleys. So it'll there'll be jack shit happening and then there'll be a quick spike and then it'll go back down. 
and then nothing will be happening, and then it'll shoot up and go back down. And people like to praise Tarantino for his ability to write dialogue, but he's bad at it. Like he can't he can't write that well. So in in the movie that we just watched, Once Upon a Time, <laughs> ellipses in Hollywood, where the actors managed to carry the movie for the most part, the dialogue wasn't that great, and that's how you can tell he's not very good at comedy. Because people who can do comedy can write comedy well. This dude had like a few incidences in the movie that were like coincidentally funny and points in the movie that should have been funny that weren't that funny. As an example, the instance when the young woman at the end of the movie gets cold feet and steals the car from her fellow cult members. Hmm. like that part should have been very funny but it just came across as like oh we don't want to like go too far into making this funny right they're about to go kill some people but it, that that genuinely could have been very funny to play devil's advocate um because like racism i said racism is good is that, is well man we all know racism is good that's how america <laughs> is where it is today so <laughs> um okay so like i said Tarantino thinks all of his shit are comedies but he doesn't write traditional jokes like he's again he's into the exploitation movies so he's looking at those that dialogue of shit from like the warriors and stuff like that or um what is it switchblade sisters and all these kinds of movies you know what i'm talking about grindhouse films. yeah so like you those movies are like they're kind of supposed to be funny but they, they don't have jokes exactly yeah they're, they're just schlocky yeah it's like it's weird dialogue and they say like odd things and they kind of like stand out and jab so he's trying to like recreate basically shitty stuff and then throw it back at you so it's like entertaining him you can't <laughs> but do that like, with good actors though <laughs> you can't do that in a mainstream movie but he does it well, and so, <laughs> what i should say is you can't accomplish those sorts of things with people who can actually act the reason why dolomite is funny is because he's fucking bad at acting and those shots are awkward as fuck but it was also supposed to be funny he just made it poorly question for you what's up any Tarantino film that you do like, like Head Over Heels, like this is the shit. Uh, I really fucked with Kill Bill Volume One. Okay, hmm. that I mean mainly because it was like real close to a live action anime, and like I was fucking with that heavy. It's very cartoonish in the violence, and it's it, that was back when uh, I was like real big, big, big in anime, and like it, that intersected with my interest in anime period i was just like yo this is fuck withable and it's only kind of racist <laughs> it's not it's not one of those movies that's like yo like hateful eight or pulp fiction where it just takes a turn for no reason no reason what you know the reason <laughs> it's because he likes feet and dead black people but even that movie he was like just stealing stuff from like shogun assassin and shit like that though um kill bill yeah yeah he steals yeah. all of his shit. Yeah, but that's the, where like that's where the violence came from, and you know he like had to learn how to shoot the, like the Chinese style kung fu movies, so he could like learn how to do the fight sequences in one room, you know, with multiple cameras and shit like that. So even that, you know, is just the same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, he steals all of his shit. But that time, I enjoyed it. <laughs> that time, you like no Jackie Brown? I haven't seen that one oh. in to me. I think that's, that's the best years. one, but that's. Yeah. That's just me, though. That's Robert De Niro and Pam Greer, right? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the one he didn't write. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Marcus, Thank for you. joining me in this episode. Do you guys have anything you want to plug? Nope. <laughs> I'll plug him. Always listen to Stunt Double Attention and whatever else they're going to put out soon. Uh, be looking out for fucking, what's the name of my new podcast? <laughs> 
Oh yeah, I could have done better. <laughs> and you can also check out old episodes of <laughs> Let's Talk About Everything. Also, remain in vain. Oh yeah, those guys. Remain in vain. <laughs> those fucking guys. Are you? Is that a hardcore band? That that is a hardcore band <laughs> that I've been in for like nine years. <laughs> so anyway, well, let's hope. Thanks for listening. I'll we'll catch you some other week.